Welcome to B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B-Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into another edition of B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I'm Bobby from Oregon. Hi, I'm Bonnie from Oklahoma. And this is our second episode, as you said, of B Squared. So, Bonnie, let's jump right into it. So, last week we talked about the tropics being very quiet, and look what happened. They basically exploded overnight. I mean, yeah, they did explode a little bit with some little baby hurricanes, but you know what? At least we have two more named storms. So, Moving right along in the hurricane season. I mean, Hurricane Chris didn't do anything really but hang out in the ocean. And Burl, little baby Burl, really didn't do anything either. But it's okay. We've got more dust coming in too, so that'll be exciting. Yeah, we'll get to that that in here in just a second. But it's funny. People are like, what do you mean baby hurricane? It was still a a, a, full-sized hurricane, but the overall scope of it was much, much smaller. It was, I want to say maybe less than 100 miles across, but it was still was a fully formed, formed hurricane. Yes, it was. And it was only strong for a minute. It was only real intense, and I say real intense, but it wasn't intense. But it was only that way for a little bit. And as soon as it got close to some islands, it kind of started falling apart again. I mean, you know, A for effort, Burl. That, that's that's all we can say, I suppose. Right, you tried. So that that's definitely worth something. And then Hurricane Chris, as you said, just kind of sat out there in the Atlantic and didn't really do anything. It finally got caught up in that um, East Coast jet and then, you know, has been basically kicked out now as an extra tropical storm. But uh, it was funny. They were showing earlier today. I saw pictures of where it had sat over the Atlantic in one spot and basically welled up enough cold water that it showed up on one of the satellites when they were looking at sea surface temperatures. So, again, we talked last week about you know, a hurricane's ability to turn up water. And Chris, although it was, you know, short-lived, was able to turn up a a quick pocket of cold air, or sorry, cold water now in the Atlantic. And so uh, it was just hilarious. You know, again, two quick-hitting storms. Um, Nova Scotia had snow two days ago, and I think today they were dealing with the remnants of Chris. So you go from snow to extra tropical conditions in two days. So uh, weather out there is kind of crazy. That sounds exciting. Maybe I'll move out there because... Nothing exciting is happening here right now. So, <laughs> All right, so let's get the update. So last week we talked about you guys are under a dominant ridge of high pressure. You were baking. Has there been any changes? Not really. We've been having some clouds. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> so there's that. But um, there's been a few, a few days, past couple of days, where we've had a pop-up storm here and there, short-lived, really small, quick, heavy downpour, maybe a lightning strike or two. Nothing real big. It's mostly just been hot and humid, but the clouds bring a tiny bit of relief. So at least there's that. But no, we're still baking. We're still in our sauna right now. That's unbelievable. Out here in Oregon, um, last week we had talked about I was in the mid-70s. Well, today it's going to be 96, tomorrow 96. Uh, as we get into Saturday, Sunday, temperatures will drop down just a little bit lower. But we're kind of in our, our warm spell, per se, but it's not humid. There are some clouds around in the morning, so it's nice. But the beautiful thing about here is we still have a coastal influence, even though it's, you know, 90 miles away. 
that we still get the cold ocean air that comes down through the Columbia River Basin. So at night, we can get down into the 50s, and then we just warm right back up. So uh, it's warm. It's borderline hot for a lot of people. I don't usually consider hot till you get about 91, 92, 93. So now that we're into kind of that hot weather, it'll be around for a while, and models indicate that we're stuck in this pattern uh, for the foreseeable future. Yes. Yes, we are. Um, especially here in Oklahoma, there's nothing, nothing coming up in the next few weeks except more heat and humidity. So thank you, Gulf of Mexico, for that. And thank you, Summer, for our hot, 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 hotness. All right. So let me ask you, how do you guys beat the heat in Oklahoma City? I, obviously, you guys have air, most of you have air conditioning, but I mean, you're out and about. It's a very beautiful part of the country. How do you guys go out and enjoy, you know, Oklahoma uh, North Texas, when it's this hot? Um, you know, there's typical things like swimming and stuff like that, but Oklahoma has one of the highest number of man-made lakes. So <clears throat> there's lakes everywhere that you can boat, swim, ski, tube, whatever. So a lot of people spend lots of time at the lake. And I've actually been out to the lake a few times, went out last Wednesday for the 4th, got a really excellent sunburn. So, you know... You win some, you lose some when it comes to beating the heat. <laughs> right. Um, I DJed a houseboat party last 4th of July on the Columbia River. It was great, but early in the day, it was warm, and then we got a blast of humidity, and it just kind of got sticky and nasty. And uh, had some showers move in at the end of the night, which was kind of cool because it kind of kept all the uh, fireworks down at a lower elevation so you could see them a little bit better. Plus, the explosions bounced off the clouds, and, you know, that's always great to have uh, a louder explosion because that will freak out your pets and your grandparents and everybody else. <laughs> so we love Well, it. I think it's funny that when it gets humid up there, you guys are like, oh, my God, it's miserable because it's humid 24-7 here during the summer. I, I don't know what dry heat means, you know. It's so that's just interesting that when it gets humid, you guys get real uncomfortable. There's y'all wouldn't survive here. We are always humid. <laughs> that's true. You know, what's funny is, and once we get deeper into the podcast, we'll tell more, more stories about, you know, travels and stuff. But real quick, the one time I experienced that Midwest humidity was at three o'clock in the morning. I was on a work road trip. I had to drive from Portland to Dallas, got into North Dallas, like I said, around 3 a.m., Opened up the door of the RV, and the temperature outside was 85 degrees and 91% humidity, and it was absolutely miserable. Yes. And it just hit you. Miserable at 3 in the morning. At 3 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just, it was bad. And we had to be up in a couple hours to go do a, a morning radio show at a bar, and I was dragging. Thank God the, the restaurant had air conditioning because I had, I just had to sit there for eight hours to do this job and I was just miserable but thank God for the air conditioning because it made it bearable at least the heat broke the next day and the, the humidity was not nearly as bad so it was definitely tolerable but uh, props to you guys for dealing with that because that's just something that's it blows my mind that that happens all the time mm -hmm. and, and it's even crazier when it's the middle of the night sun is down and you still go outside and it's not as hot but it's still pretty warm and then it's still sticky. And so it's really, it's really hard to find relief. So we're pretty awesome over here dealing with it. That's awesome. You had mentioned when we were talking about hurricanes just a couple of minutes ago, more African dust. So Bonnie, give us the update on that. Are we still seeing it come off the Sahara? 
Yes, it's coming back across. So it just, I guess this is our pattern for this season is some dust, a couple of storms, some dust, a couple of storms. Maybe we need the dust. I don't know. But this really is the first year that I've noticed or that it's been a big deal that all this dust is coming all the way across the Atlantic and halfway across the United States. So, I mean, I'm sure it's happened before, but it's just, I think it's pretty incredible. I do too, Anna. It's funny. I just looked at a satellite picture here a couple of minutes ago. And apparently dust is not the only thing invading the United States, but smoke from Siberia is coming over on the northern jet and forest fires have been a big issue there for a long time. And now that smoke has made its way uh, into the northern plains, into the upper Great Lakes. So uh, we have Siberia invading us from the west. We have African dust from the east. So apparently we're now the, truly the melting pot of not just civilizations and peoples, but weather. I, I like that. That is an excellent way to put that. You need to write that down. That is exactly what we are. And it's, I just think it's amazing that that all gets caught up in jet streams and comes across and doesn't disperse very much. I mean, it does a little bit, but it's, it stays intact as a decent air mass or dust mass or smoke mass. And it comes across and it's noticeable and it's picked up on satellite and radar and just noticeable to the naked eye. So I don't know. Mother Nature is pretty scary. It really is. In a future episode of this, I want to talk with um, a smoke mitigation expert, somebody that deals with having to track smoke because it is fascinating that smoke doesn't really disperse. As you said, it really does stay together. And, you know, I see it up here in the Northwest with all of our forest fires. I know you guys see it down there with all of your dry sagebrush and your forest fires um, and wildland fires too, where the smoke basically, it just stays together. It doesn't really disperse. And so I think talking to a smoke mitigation expert would be really fascinating just to talk about the fact that yes, smoke can travel and we see it happening. And, you know, thank God for all these great improved weather satellites, especially on the visible spectrum, because you can literally trace back the smoke from its origins. Yes. Yes, which just makes it amazing. So bring on the dust and the smoke. Right. We're ready for it. As Luke Bryan says, kick the dust up. <laughs> Sorry, there's my one bad country music reference for the day. Um, Bonnie and I both love weather. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, through the years of studying it and being involved in different facets of it, we've gotten to know a lot of people. But our love for meteorology started you know, a long time ago. And I wanted to kind of ask you, Bonnie, do you have one or two people that kind of helped influence or help grow your passion in the science of meteorology? I, I've got a couple, but I've got one that ranks way higher than any of the other ones. Um, his name is Steve Carano. Hopefully he's listening or will be one day. Hopefully we can get him on one day. But when I was in fourth grade, he was working for Channel 4 here in Oklahoma City. He chased the big EF5 May 3rd, 1999 tornado. So he knows what he's doing. He's He's been in weather for years and years now. But he came to my fourth grade class to talk about weather safety, which is what a lot of TV meteorologists around here do, is they'll go to different elementary schools and talk about lightning and tornadoes and floods and things like that, you know, to just kind of make kids more aware of what's going on and maybe ease ease kids' fears of the weather. So I remember I I remember that everything, the videos he showed when he talked about lightning safety and what it feels like when you're gonna get struck by lightning, what to do if you start feeling that. And I I just I can remember everything verbatim. I can see it in my head. It's amazing. And so from that moment on, 
I was just obsessed with weather. So he really, really turned me on to it. But then it gets better because I go to school. I get into Rose State Community College. They have a nice little two-year meteorology program. Love Rose State. I highly recommend it. Um, and one of my professors is Steve Carano. So he's actually the founder of that program at that school. So it's just crazy that in fourth grade, this TV meteorologist is talking about weather safety. And then years later, he's my professor. And I credit him with my associate's degree in meteorology. So him and Rose State, but him for sure. That's really awesome. Um, growing up in Portland, I've been pretty lucky. Most of our chief meteorologists on TV have been here for a very long time. And so I, you know, I can go through and name all of them if if I had time, which I don't. But, you know, I've gotten to know them really well working with the Oregon AMS. Um, but the one guy that I got to say is a gentleman that's no longer with us. His name is Jim Bosley. Went by the Boz. He was the chief meteorologist at KETU where I interned and worked. Um, for a long time, when I was there, he was no longer a chief met. He was just one of the one of the regular, you know, meteorologists. Rob Marciano, who is now on ABC, was now the chief met, and so he and Jim Bosley had traded had traded off shows. Um, and so when I got there to be an intern was toward the end of Bosley's career. But just you know, growing up, dealing, you know, watching TV, uh, we had a big storm um, in 1996. And again, in 1999 and again, just, you know, different events. And it was always Jim Bosley's voice. That was kind of the reassuring thing. And anytime that we had questions, you could call him or email him or back then when we wrote letters back when we had just gotten the stagecoach here in Oregon. Um, you know, it was just really great that we could, you know, reach out and he would answer questions. So he was really one of the big influences um, personally for me. Like I said, I can credit a lot of all the chief meteorologists around here for different things. Um, Mark Nelson at the Fox affiliate in town is just, he's great for, you know, new technology and uh, really kind of, you know, looking at past weather uh, as a predictor of the future. Um, you know, Jim Little, a guy that's with the state of Oregon, was the chief meteorologist at the CBS affiliate. And I could just go on and on and on and on and just name it. And so for those guys listening, I apologize. You guys all do mean something very special to me. And we will, you know, give you credit in, in due time. But um, just the fact that people are willing to answer questions and just give you advice and just listen to, you know, the nerdy kid from Beaverton that would call in every time it snowed or, you know, was the weather watcher and did it for years and years and years, a high, low, and any rain. Um, you know, that stuff really kind of fostered it. And I, I credit Jim Bosley uh, mostly for that because just the fact that he was just such a great guy and was always willing to listen and always willing to answer questions when you had him. It's amazing that these people are, you know, doing their thing, doing what they love, and then the incredible influence that they have on other people, you know. So I want to give big credit to Steve Carano and, like you said, many other big-time meteorologists. And unfortunately, we're talking mostly about ones on TV, but that's the ones that we see. But there sure. are several at the Weather Service that are excellent, that are behind the scenes, that, you know, definitely – I would credit like Rick Smith. He's he's top dog at the weather service in Norman sure. here. And he's he knows what he's doing. And he's when I was at OU going to school, he came to many, many different lectures and talked. And he's actually got a podcast with some other meteorologists from around the country that he does too. And so he's super, super influential as well. 
He's a great follow on Twitter, by the way. If you're not following him, I believe it's OU Smith, right? I believe so, yes. So oh, You would think I know it because right? I follow him. And right. I do too. Five <laughs> and I want to say it's like OU either underscore Smith or OU Smith. But uh, again, a great follow. Um, one of the things that was hilarious uh, on that trip to Dallas that I had made, on the way back home, one of the guys that I was riding with in this really crappy RV went to OU. And so he had a bunch of friends that still lived and worked on campus. So he wanted to go grab pizza with them. I really didn't care. I wanted to go see the National Weather Center. So they dropped me off on the corner and I basically just walked in. I told the security guard who I was. I was like, I just want to walk around. The guy was like, okay, cool. It's a Sunday. Nothing's happening. So I did. And so I got to, you know, see all the floors and there were no open rooms, but as you know, you went there, the atrium was really cool. You have the cafe down, uh, the flying cow cafe down the lower floor and you can see the props from Twister and then the original prototype for Toto. Um, and then the observation deck upstairs and you see all these cool, you know, instruments. You're like, wow, this is really the cutting edge of meteorology. But one of the things I had to do was go get a photo standing in front of all the different professors, offices and classrooms. And, you know, Rick Smith's office there with the National Weather Service. I have a picture of me standing in front of it. It's just it's cool because, yes, even though I didn't grow up in Oklahoma, I still know who these guys are. And they are important in my life because they're teaching even though they despite maybe not knowing that, but they're teaching people about weather. Exactly. And it was, it was, it felt like an honor to be able to be in that building freely because as a student, as a meteorology student, that's where the OU school of meteorology is, is on the fourth floor of the weather center. And as a student, you get 24 hour access with your student ID so we could just come and go as we please. We could go just about anywhere we wanted. The observation deck is is excellent you can see for miles and miles and you can see all the way around so i loved being in that building and i mean if i could move in i would right i mean if you could have an apartment in one spot if you're a weather geek that would be the spot to be in absolutely absolutely well bonnie we've had a great chat fantastic episode of b squared your weekly weather podcast looking forward to next week um i kind of want to jump in and talk a little bit more about summer weather um we're starting to get a lot of these you know record daily highs and i know there's a lot of conversation right now going around saying okay this is gearing up to possibly be like one of those other hottest years ever so i want to kind of dive into that but one thing i also want to dive into is fall weather i know it's still a couple months away but it's really an awesome time you get a chase season back we get a change in the you know the seasons we're going to go from that warm those warm days to cold mornings and somewhat warm days, but leaves changing. And then we start to get that focus on winter. So I want to dive into again, heat and fall next week. We really appreciate you guys listening. Please make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter, Twitter. You can find us at weather podcast on Facebook. Just type in B squared weather. We'd love to interact with you. If you guys have comments or questions, let us know. Um, We're here for you guys. So Bonnie, I appreciate it. And I look forward to talking to you next week. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week.